Hey friends, Paige here. So I just wanted to hop on before we begin today's episode to talk about something that has happened in our community. As you can tell, we today are talking about what happens when the miracle we've been praying for uh, is not the miracle that we receive. This week, we had an incredible woman in our community, Joy Davidson, uh, take her last breath, surrounded by her family and Father Michael, who you will be hearing talk in this episode. She fought uh, stage four colon cancer for the past year, and uh, sadly, this week, um, she lost the battle. Uh, And while we don't fully understand why the Lord needed her to leave earth during this time, um, we, we have trust in him and his will. And, um, you know, all of us were praying for a physical healing for her. And that is not the miracle that we received for her. And that is not the miracle that she received. Um, we ask you to really just keep her in your prayers Uh, her soul that she is now experiencing the beatific vision. Uh, We ask you to pray for her children. She has eight children that she's leaving behind for her husband and for all of her family and our community as we mourn the loss of her. Uh, Also, we just ask that you pray for Father Michael as well. He is just so close with this family and so close with joy. Um, And so we know that, you know, even priests struggle too, um, and even priests asks, ask why as well. So uh, yeah, I just wanted to update you guys on just something that we are experiencing right now, and that this episode could not have come at a more better time. Um, We recorded this weeks ago, so I just think that in our scheduling, the Lord knew what he was doing, um, and that Hopefully, we will be able to find comfort in Father Michael's words and in the conversation that we're having today. So please remember to keep joy and the whole Davidson family and the community of Alaska and all those who knew her in your prayers. Enjoy this episode. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Moving Mountains podcast. Moving Mountains is a place to hear true stories of modern day miracles told by ordinary people just like you and me. My name is Paige. And I'm joined here in Alaska by my dear friends, Margaret and Bernadette, as we witness accounts of how God has worked in people's lives in big and small ways. As you listen to these stories of hope, answered prayers, and unexplained phenomena, we invite you to allow this space to inspire your faith and even to help you recognize the ways in which God is moving mountains in your own life. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Moving Mountains. We're in season three which is kind of hard to believe at times, but we're so blessed and thankful to be here. Um, So we've heard a lot of miracle stories and we've gotten lots of messages and things about um, just the way the Lord's working in all of your lives. And we're always so thrilled um, to hear y'all's stories. So today we're actually going to do something a little bit different, a little twist on our, our miracles podcast and just have a little conversation with our dear friend, Father Mike Shields, who's back with us today. Um, He'll probably be featured on every season, let's be honest. We all love him. (laughs) But we're going to discuss 
what happens when the prayer isn't answered or the miracle doesn't happen the way we desired it to. So that's kind of the theme of today. And uh, there'll be a little twist to the mini miracles later as well. So you can look forward to that. So Father Mike, thanks for being here again. You want to say hi to everybody? Hi, everybody. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much for being here again and being very spontaneous, actually. We appreciate you. And um, I do believe Miss Page has our very important question. Yes, I do. So the very important question for today is, if you were able to have a button that you could hit pause on your life or rewind, which button would you choose? Hmm. Father, you can go first. I want ba- a pause. Rewind. I don't want to live a back back <laughs> on the path, but possibly nice. You know, like just take a moment mm-hmm. and then hit that pause button. I like that. Mm. I 100% agree, Father Mike. The first thought when you asked that page was just how valuable a pause button would be in day-to-day life with little kids. Because there are so many moments I'm like, (laughs) I just need a second. And you just can't have a second sometimes. (laughs) So just having a pause button um, would make it a lot easier to do the whole Brother Lawrence practice in the presence of God thing. But I guess that's not the point. (laughs) Yeah, I would love the pause button. (laughs) What about you, Margaret? Oh, man. I think, honestly, in this season of life, I think I would probably want a rewind button which I would only use for things like days at Cedar Point when I have so much fun and want to have it again Mm -hmm. or have a really amazing conversation or an amazing trip. Um, Yeah, I think think for a season of singleness, that is my preference, which wasn't my first reaction when you asked that question, Paige. So um, yeah, Mm -hmm. things changed a little. How about you, Paige? Yeah, I had a hard time when I first read this question. I was like, oh, man, what would I choose? But I think I would choose the rewind button because there there are just so many times where Christian and I are like, oh, if only we could go back and like see how that played out from an outsider perspective, you know, or like just looking in on the moment, like what exactly happened in that moment and trying to guess things. Um, And then I think it would be really valuable later on in life to go back and see once our kids are grown up to be able to rewind and just kind of look back on, or I don't know, just be a little fly on the wall to those moments. And I guess that's what, you know, video cameras are for, but still. (laughs) Interesting. Thank God the video cameras are of specific moments because there are so many moments of motherhood. I do not want to rewind. (laughs) 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 I like that perspective. I knew every day, right? (laughs) I like your perspective, Paige, because as a busy person, it is easy to kind of gloss over something and and wonder, oh, what did I miss? And especially with kids, like you turn your back and I don't know, suddenly they walked 10 steps and you didn't get to see it or whatever it is. You know, <laughs> for me, I'm selfishly yeah. wanting to live my amusement park days again. <laughs> I totally understand that. Aren't I just rewind all? on Hawaii over and over again. <laughs> Ooh, how many times could you push rewind? Hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, moving well, on. Thank you, Paige. That was awesome. Yes. And so now we're just going to kind of hand things over to, to Father Mike as we discuss, you know, we're praying for a miracle or even something small, but God doesn't always answer the way we want. So what does that look like and how does that 
impact our faith, our prayer life, and our, our trust in God. So, Father Mike, you have the floor. Yeah, I, I think this is really, really important for people people who pray and long for healing or long. I, I'm with a couple right now that can't have a child, so they're praying to find a way. Uh, and this last few months, actually, I, I lost a very good friend in death. We were praying for her. She she died, and another person I'm praying for is suffering. So this is really pertinent to me. And I think everybody who really is serious about loving people and caring for people, and we want the best, and so we turn to the Lord, and it doesn't seem like like it turns out as we want it. Um, there, there was an experience I had uh, when I was a young priest. First priest, we, this is such a beautiful thing to pray with people. And I, we have the sacrament of the sick. The priest comes in and prays with an ex- expectation of healing. Of, of healing. And so we, we do have that expectation, but things don't work out sometimes. There was a woman, she was about 32 years old. She had three children. She was very uh, diagnosed with cancer. And we prayed up a storm, just prayed up a storm for her. Beautiful woman, beautiful family. And there was a time when it just was obvious that wasn't happening. So she said to me, you know, Father, I, I want to pray for healing. I just really, but if the God, if God doesn't heal me, then what I, I want to pray is for the last months to be uh, include complete peace and joy with my family. So that reorienting that prayer of of her really touched me that God has spoken to her in the midst of this. You know, they say that anguish cries out and faith whispers when we're suffering. And I think that's really true. We have to go, go deeper and find that place where we can find maybe not an understanding, but at least a a, a way through the suffering. The other thing is, I, I think I want to say, and, and for us Christians, that we very much, we know Jesus healed, and we very much had miracles, and and people were changed. But I always like to remind people, in the Gospels, he only healed 37 times. Mm. There were a lot of people he didn't heal. Mm. He 35 times he expelled demons. There were a lot of demons he didn't uh, expel. So even in Jesus' time, not everybody was healed, and not everybody was touched. And he's the Son of God. So I, I think we have to recognize that that's part of, of our, our suffering and, and non-answered, as we say, prayers that are not answered the way we wanted them to be is part of our life. I think you can go to Job. Job is uh, one of those books that really deals well with suffering. Uh, Job is not a miracle book. Uh, Job is a story of, of, of trying to do everything right and things turning out wrong. And once in Job, he said, I cry to you, but you do not answer me. I stand, but you take no notice. And so the the thing is that that's uh, sometimes our position in our heart. We just want to, we're vulnerable to the suffering. And so I, I want to say that, first of all, that, that that's real uh, and and how to how to move through that. You know, there's uh, two points in the catechism of the Catholic Church that deals with this very, I love I love the Catholic Church because it's very serious about suffering and very clear that we don't have all the answers. That That's the beautiful part about our faith. That we, we walk in reason and faith. And the Catechism in uh, 1500 and 1501 first talks about illness. Illness and suffering have always been among the gravest problems confronted in human life. In illness, man experiences his powerlessness, his limitations, his finitude, finitude. Every illness can make us glimpse at death. So I think that's, first of all, that's what illness does. You know, I always think of poor Lazarus. He was raised from the dead, and he's going to die again. 
You know, you go, well, I've been here before. What's the deal? People who are healed from illnesses, they're going to die. So there is this sense of healing, but it's it still reflects that there is something beyond this life. And there's a there's a way that the suffering face we've faced face death in that suffering, and then the and then the next part of the catechism says illness can lead to anguish, self absorption, sometimes even despair or revolt against God. Now that's isn't that beautiful to say that's true? That's absolutely true. It can be bitterness or it can be blessedness, mm. and and we choose between those times with grace and faith. We choose between those. I know at times in sufferings. I know people have just given up on God. They keep working through it, and then they come out on the other side. That despair is transformed somehow and, and through prayer. So then it says, it can also make a person more mature, helping him discern in his life what is not essential so that he can turn towards and, and, and find what is very essential. Very often, illness provokes a search for God and a return to him. So I've seen both. But... I, I want to say to people who are suffering and have prayed for people and, and it's not turned out as they want, it is a very personal suffering. And um, any 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 person I, I pray with uh, for healing and, and it doesn't turn out, I, I just, I ache for them. And I think the Father in heaven does too. There's something that God uh, suffered on the cross in his own experience that there is a joining in the suffering and joining in, in, in the incompleteness of our prayers. So um, I see people suffer in ways that deepens my faith. There's a young woman I'm walking with right now who's suffering very strongly, but her faith is so amazing and her, her relationship with Jesus is so strong. I, I, I think it's one of the deepest witnesses in my life right now as a priest. I don't think I've ever seen somebody so close to Jesus in their suffering. Doesn't mean that it's, 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 it doesn't mean at all that she isn't at times despairing even, but her faith is so darn strong. And then, um, so that, I think that's my, my response is there is no a full answer, but, um, uh, it's, it's like, well, I can't answer why that is, but I can sense, kind of sense what to do with it. And what to do with it is that faith response that whispers in your, in your, in your heart, okay, where do you go with this? And, uh, with the grace of God, you don't go to despair. You don't go to, uh, powerlessness in the sense of just giving up, but really following Christ somehow on that. Mm-hmm. We'll never be able to get rid of our suffering or our pain in this life. And so it kind of it draws us then, in a sense, very clearly into the next life. And so um, I, I, um, I was speaking to a, a, a camp survivor in Magadan. She was 85 years old and suffered terribly, terribly in the prison camps. And uh, I said to her, look at how, how did you make it through this? Says, well, Father... Uh, it was only 85 years of suffering. <laughs> oh my so, okay, well, eternity is longer, obviously. So, oh my. but I mean, that's that one. That's one of the perspectives, huh? That that is that is temporary. Where the fullness of life, Jesus Christ, has actually healed the greatest disease in the human heart, which is sin, and that that disease uh, is healed for all eternity for us. And so there is this sense that no matter what the suffering is, you can move into that perspective, the eternal perspective. 
the, the last story I'll tell is a lovely story of a young man who broke his spine uh, when he was, I think, five or six and spent, he was uh, 17 years old, 14 years in the hospital or in operations. So he was always, always in pain, always in operations, always in the hospital. And he was uh, in a wheelchair. It was a conference in uh, in London, in Engl- England, I was at Alpha Conference I was at. And he wit- witnessed to us because he just shined with faith. I mean, just incredible. So the bishop said uh, to him, say, Adrian, I think it was his name, Adrian, uh, what about your life? And Adrian thought and talked a little bit. And then he said, you know, Bishop, God is fair. So Bishop, God is fair? You broke your back at five. You've been in the hospital for 14 years with operations. And now you're 17. You'll never walk again. All of your dreams that you had or never be happened. And then he he, he ended up, yes, God is fair. Because uh, he has all eternity make it up to me. (laughs) That registers in my heart as well. As much as suffering is real, and that at times we're out of it, and times that we're in of it, our times are answered. Sometimes our prayers aren't. Eternity's awfully long time, and that's when we're going to be in the embrace of the Father, and fully in love. And uh, that I think can help me. Mm-hmm. Well said. Beautiful. Um, so. I'm just curious if you have any suggestions for those of us who are listening who might not be going through an an intense um, period of suffering in life. You know, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And at some point, all of us will be faced with this, whether it's someone that we love or ourselves or a tragedy in our group of friends um, or even just dealing with the tragedy that you can see on a larger scale in the world that can really affect you. Um, So I'm just wondering if you have any suggestions for what to do to be open um, in your faith journey, to be prepared for when these moments do come for when, you know, there's a sudden death of a child or a bad accident or a lot, a job that's lost or, you know, just, just when that day comes, that is going to come for all of us. What should we be doing to prepare for that, to be ready to hear the whisper of faith um, and not let it be drowned out by that scream of agony that does want to pull us away from trusting God? Yeah, that's a really good question because, uh, uh, oftentimes when everything's going really well, we don't really do much conversation with God, but things get bad, then we, then we go in, in deep despair. So I, my experience is that what, what we need to do is always keep a conversation open to God, keep us listening. Um, he can speak, God can speak to us all the time. And if we, if we're not aware of that, then he's going to be speaking to us in everyday life. And then when that suffering comes, we're going to say, okay, I've been listening to God for 20 some years and this is still listening. He's going to speak in this moment as well. And, um, and so I, I think in all honesty that to be able to go through the big storms, you have to go through the little storms. And so, it's a it's a practice uh, in everyday life when uh, when you stub your toe, what how's your reaction to God, you know? And then when something tragic happens, you have something to fall back on because you've all built up a foundation of trust. And I think that's the basic thing. Uh, the devil, when he tempted Adam and Eve, tempted them out of trusting God. That was the big sin. Mm-hmm. They couldn't trust God, so they had disobeyed. 
So I think we have to rebuild that trust. And so that's why sometimes when I'm praying and it doesn't happen, then that, that trust is really, really, uh, challenged. So you have to remember how he acted in your life in the past. Israel always had said, remember how he saved us through the Red Sea, how Exodus happened, how he saved me. I think that's one thing is to remember how God worked in your life, maybe in those even small ways, so you can trust him in the big ways. So trust is like in and listening to God is the two things I would answer to that question. Yeah. So, Father, I love what you just said about, first of all, kind of practicing our responses in the little ways, because that's kind of how we form a habit. And we, we we're basically building up our muscles of <laughs> how are we going to handle something painful, right? It's if we do the little things, then it's easier to react well to the big things and not to say that we shouldn't suffer or, or acknowledge our suffering. But I just think that practice is one of those things we need to do in life, even in, you know, in this instance. And also the idea of, I think sometimes in the midst of suffering, we can get very caught up in, oh my gosh, God has never done anything good for me. Or we we get caught up in the despair of, you know, just, okay, this is awful and everything's always been awful, which isn't true. And so I think a practical way to help with that is something that I've done um, years ago after a breakup is I was having a hard time believing truths about myself, like the good things, because I was so caught up in the, in the pain and like things that I was being accused of being that I wasn't. And so I found that I sought out my friends and I would write down what they said to me that was a positive, godly truth. And I had this list and I was so devastated that it was hard for me to think of what to say in prayer. And so what I did was I just went back to the list and I read it over and over and over again, over and over and over again. And eventually it's like those, I started to believe those truths when I wasn't believing them before. So for me, it was really helpful because I needed something concrete. Because I think, like I said, in the midst of like deep sorrow, you almost don't know what to do or where to go or what to say. So having something like that you can do that's practical can really help as well. I, I think you touched on something really important, Margaret, because we can't suffer alone. That's where despair comes. Right. That's why we have community. That's why we have family. That's why we have people praying with us and for us. The difference is uh, so big. When when a person's alone and they're suffering, that's that's a terrible thing. And that's why the church reaches out to people who are suffering. But I I think the the ability to be with somebody is also on two two ways. It gives empathy. In other words, I can feel your suffering. And it also gives an opportunity of person to respond. Mm-hmm. So it comes both ways. So, but I, I think that's really true. I think that's also the beauty of the communion of saints mm-hmm. in how we pray novenas and ask yep. for their intercession. Exactly. Because, you know, it's just like we're asking each other to pray for each other, but then we have all of heaven <laughs> to yep. pray for us as well. Mm-hmm. And what all of you are saying made me think of um, a moment in my own struggle with suffering and growing in faith and trusting God. Um, I 
the Lord has walked with me a long way already and I have a long way to go. But I would say from childhood, my default has always been to go to like the resentment and anger and just have a hard time trusting. And so, you know, something would happen and just be like, I knew, I knew it was going to be like this, or it's always like this, or it never works out. That's like the story that my brain likes to, to immediately start playing. Um, and at one point I remember just getting to this point where I said to God, I was like, why, why, why would you even make us? If you know that so many of the souls that you're going to create, we're just going to end up in so much suffering Mm -hmm. only to end up in hell. Like, why would you even create us if so many of us aren't going to make it to eternal happiness with you? I just can't imagine having a child who I knew I was creating to be damned. And then I don't, I believe it was God just gave me the grace to see again, to change the perspective. It's all about perspective. And I had this realization of if I knew perfect love and if I had perfect love, how could I not share that? And, you know, just seeing the model of my relationship with Kyle, I couldn't imagine giving up one of my children just because I was going to lose another one of them. And I had this, just this realization of love needs to be expressed. And there is so much sorrow when, you know, ultimate suffering just comes down to, um, it comes down to sin and our souls being lost and not Mm -hmm. trusting God and turning away from him. But I just had this kind this moment of clarity where I was like somewhere on my human level, I can understand that my desire to bring a child into this world, even though I know how horrible this world can be and how much suffering they're going to experience, I'm still choosing to have children. So how can I ask God how he created any of us when I'm actually out of love and out of desire for life and to create life and to create a new being out of love? I'm doing the same thing. So just that realization of, yes, we ha- we all have to face it, but we have to look at the flip side of, despite that, there's so much beauty in the world and, um, and love really is the answer no matter what. And so I don't know if, if you have anything to add to that, Father, Father Michael, or like a more eloquent way of looking well, at it or saying it. It's but. really a beautiful reflection, Bernadette, and I... I, I just uh, said uh, homily a way back because I, I I think you your you you folks with family and and kids are so amazing. Uh, do you realize when you create that child, you you'll leave everything here on earth. You'll leave all your favorite clothes and your cars and your house and everything. The one thing to live in eternity is your child. You have created a individual loved into life by God. You are co-creating, and that child will live for eternity. I was just thinking, now that is a miracle. Mm-hmm. There you have a miracle. Amen. So I, I just think it's so beautiful uh, to think of that. And and uh, and then you're right. God's love is so much more than we'd ever understand. And love poured out on people. And love poured out, especially in the suffering, those who are really suffering. Said, Jesus says, come to me, all you brokenhearted, for I'll give you rest. My, my, my heart is open to you. And so those who are suffering, who hear this uh, podcast and, and maybe has not, really got much consolation. Uh, I just asked them, just just talk to the Lord because his heart was pierced for you. His love was poured out 
for you or his, he's shed his blood for you. He, he gave his life for you. And if you enter that, then there isn't a suffering that he can't embrace and, and be with you. And I just pray that for anybody who's listening to this podcast. Father Michael, what you just said also reminded me um, that I want to mention for anyone who's listening and in that space of despair, it is possible to suffer in complete joy. And it's not something that I that I have perfected or am anywhere close to perfecting, but it's so beautiful. I've witnessed countless people in the Catholic world who I look up to because in their suffering, they have impacted so many lives and just give such a beautiful example of living in joy um, despite a, a large amount of suffering that they're also living with and coping with. Um, for example, multiple friends who are struggling with infertility or the loss of children before or after birth. Um, people who have struggled with losing parents or siblings or sons or daughters. Um, and every time that I encounter people like this, it is just such a witness because I know when I suffer, I want to suffer like that. I don't want to suffer the way that I tend to naturally react because it's miserable and it makes everything worse and it doesn't solve anything. Um, so just for anybody else who is listening, who might tend toward that the same way that I do, I just want you to know it is possible. And I just suggest that you find those people who you look up to in suffering, who when you hear what's happening in their life and your jaw drops on the floor because you would never know it because they're so joyful, become close to that person and walk with them and it will really impact you. I, um, I was struggling for a little bit because I personally have not struggled or suffered deeply. I would say, um, I really haven't lost anyone super close to me. Um, and I've, you know, like just really have not experienced deep suffering. And so, I was just reflecting on the lives of the saints and realizing how much suffering they have gone through and, and just kind of feeling like, not that I was wishing for suffering, but just wondering like, how would I become a saint if I haven't experienced any type of deep suffering? And that's not to say I won't. Um, but you know, if I were to pass now, then, um, like, would I actually be a saint because I didn't experience this deep suffering on earth like all the other great saints seemingly did? Um, and so I listened to something, uh, a podcast, and she was talking about suffering and she was saying that we should never wish for suffering because suffering is not of the Lord. Like there was no suffering before the fall happened. Um, and so it's not that we should wish, wish for suffering. Um, and it's not that suffering, the suffering that we receive is what makes us saints. It's what we do with the suffering that we receive. We receive. Um, and so that was such great perspective for me because even though maybe I haven't received deep suffering and maybe I won't um, before I pass, I have received some suffering. And so I know any type of suffering, like you were saying, Father Michael, stubbing your toe, um, what you do with that suffering is what will transform your heart. Yeah. And so that was just such a good mindset shift for me. Um, and like I said, I wasn't really wishing for deep suffering, but it was really easy to get in this mindset of, oh, well, I won't be able to become a saint because I haven't suffered deeply. 
Yeah. So that, yeah. that's a really good point because it's the flip side of trusting God, like through times of like whatever the Lord is actually sending in your life, trusting him. Um, because really the devil can take anything and twist it to really, you know, wheedle his way into your trust or lack of trust yeah. with God. And so also just trusting, okay, what the Lord has sent me in my life thus far is his plan for my life. This is the will of God for me today. And I know his intention is to make me a saint. So, yeah, I think that's a really good point to mention that side of things, too. I, I think you're right, too, Bernadette, that we need to look at other people. And that's why the saints are there uh, to give us courage, because uh, we're, we're not very courageous until we see somebody's done that. They're kind of the bridge for us to God. Uh, just I, I just want to do a, a plug for a new new family of saints called the Umans. They were canonized in September of this last year. There are a whole family that offered their family up to take care of Jews in their home. Uh, in uh, 1944, Nazis came and slaughtered the Jewish families, two Jewish families, and then mom and dad out front and the seven kids. Mm-hmm. And she was pregnant. So the whole family, this is the first time in church history that the whole family is beatified plus a child in the womb is beatified because the child in the womb was baptized by blood. Wow. So it's, it, for me, when I hear that, I just get, I just go excited. Like, man, um, it's so, it's so amazing. The people's courage. Now these are just ordinary Catholics that just love the Lord in the Bible. They were in one of the, I think Elizabeth's, the mother's Bible is un- underlined. If, you love those who only love you. What good is that? Mm-hmm. And then this good Samaritan was yes. Mm-hmm. And that, that that Bible, those Bible verses and the word of God really drove that family to this kind of level of suffering, which is called mm-hmm. martyrdom, which is a 747 to heaven. So <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> it's, a, it's an amazing way to go. I think it's a rush. So I, I, I think, you know, to, to, to build up, we need to look at others that have been there and are doing that. And that's that, that images give us images and hope and courage. So uh, I think that's really important. For sure. Beautiful. I have a thought on a kind of a subject change, but well, not completely, but just the idea that our world and culture, and I think we've talked about this before, but we, we run from suffering. We, do not want to face it. We don't want to deal with sadness, suffering in any, any way, shape or form. We don't, we don't seek it out, I guess I should say. And it's just really helpful to know that there is a purpose to it. And God is doing something in that. It's really, you know, hard to see when you're in it, but suffering is unitive. Suffering can draw people together. I mean, look at a funeral and, I think it just helps me in those moments when I'm really like, Lord, I don't like this. Or, you know, maybe not even going to God in the moment, but eventually I'll have that wake up call of, okay, there's a reason for this. And it's beyond potentially beyond my understanding. I may not, never understand it, but there's so much going on that we cannot see. And like you said, father, like the story of the woman who, who suffered so beautifully that draws others to a, like, I almost want to say a higher place in terms of if somebody's suffering well, you want to be like them. 
you, you, mm-hmm. you, you're almost drawn to God because of that. And I don't know. I just know that that helps me. Yeah. I'm not always great at it. I will say that, but suffering isn't just, that's not the end of it. There's always, as I think Heather Kim says, there's always a resurrection. We just might not see it in this life, but on the yeah. other side of that pain is something beautiful because that's how God works. So, yeah. So we don't look at sufferings, but suffering can chip out the most essential parts of our life. And that's where we always want to live anyhow. So suffering has a way of laser focusing on what's really essential. And, uh, and then, and then, uh, provokes the search for God. I've, I've seen that uh, so many times. People are a long ways away. They get caught up in all kinds of other things that they think are important. Something comes and a crisis of time, sickness or, or a marriage crisis or something, and they search out God in ways they've never thought about it. Returning to Him if they've been away, finding Him if they never knew Him. So there, uh, that's, you want to see the benefit of suffering, but that's what suffering does is um is cause us to do the essentials and the essentials we're made in the image and likeness of god we're made in in his image when we are divinely connected to god and we don't know that suffering comes and all of a sudden we have we have to rely on something beyond our world beyond our expertise beyond our our life and all of a sudden we realize there's this father in heaven who has a love relationship with us and our soul and then that somehow that just I, I can push through anything when I know I'm that loved. And uh, again, I pray that for people who are in that midst of suffering right now to find that. Amen. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easy as Catholics, uh, at least for me, at least to take for granted the beauty of the church's perspective on suffering. Um, just being born and raised Catholic. I'm, I'm so used to being steeped in all of the offer it up. And um, obviously our entire faith is, you know, centered around the cross and the resurrection. And it's just a central part of our faith. But just to imagine living life without any meaning and suffering, I can't imagine what that would be like. And I really, my heart goes out to anyone who suffers and has no idea why and has nowhere to turn. And so just remember that too. There's so much to be grateful for, even just if there's no understanding and even if you are feeling despair, even just having that glimmer of knowing somehow somewhere there's some value to this and I can offer it up, even if I never understand it more than that, like that, that is such a gift. And um, yeah, and I'm saying it for myself because it's so easy to take that for granted um, how valuable and how beautiful that is to have somewhere to turn to in suffering because I can't imagine having nothing. What would you say, Father Michael, or any of you, to someone who sees their pain and suffering as being punished? Yeah, I think that we have a false Im- Im- uh, image of God then. It's uh, something that's provided that God does this to me. Uh, it's like praying and you don't have enough faith. You don't have enough faith. God's not healing you. That's That's evil. That's not what the case is. We don't know the full answer, but it's certainly not uh, the person's fault. So I think it's a believing in a false God. Uh, we know God does not desire suffering. He does not, uh, James says he, he cannot uh, create evil or pro- promote evil. That's the opposite of who God is. So 
whatever the whatever the uh, reasons we suffer, probably in the broken world and sinful world, we are all broken. The world's broken, and so that's part of uh, where suffering comes from, individually and collectively. So, um, I would say the person has to find another image of God. Uh, and oftentimes our God's images are coming from our parents. And so there's probably a healing that needs to happen from right. a father who is judged and, and, and making strong judgments mm-hmm. against somebody. I, I find that over and over again, adults uh, have an image of God that, uh, that is reflects uh, an inappropriate uh, image from a, from a broken relationship. So that's what I would say. Yeah. You know, the other thing I was thinking, uh, again, uh, and this is an image that came to me, uh, um, some of us are really up sometimes and some of us are really down sometimes. And, and that both we, we need each other. Uh, your resurrected Christ can be my crucified Christ and you can help me through my crucifixion. Mm. And then it's going to reverse itself somehow that we do need each other. I think, I, again, I just want to f- focus that. Praying with people who are suffering because you come up with a faith. My faith is stronger at this time than yours. And in two weeks from now, it's going to be exactly the opposite. And so I, I think we certainly have to rely on each other and be have this trust and relationship, not only with God, but each other. And that when I, when I have a really strong experience of, of my life, then I want to share that with you. And then when you do, you share it with me. So... Uh, and, uh, to answer one of Bernadette's questions, how, how do you make through this? I think you have to have community. I think that's the, why the why Jesus formed the church is, you know, we're just a bunch of suffering sinners that need each other very, very desperately. <laughs> you know, so praise God, we have a Savior. So mm-hmm. you just made me think of along the same well vein in a way. <laughs> uh, there was just something put out. You, everybody knows Winnie the Pooh. You know, you have Tigger and Piglet and Pooh, and I don't remember all the characters, but there's also Eeyore. And Eeyore isn't the happiest character, but this basically someone put out, you know, they never left him out, even though he was uh-huh. sad. And, you know, there was a lot more joy in all those other characters, if you will. But I was like, that is, that is really beautiful because he needed them. <laughs> And maybe, you know, they needed him too. I know it's kind of a silly example, but I was like, that's really profound because it's, it's easy. I think it's sometimes, I don't, I don't want to say easy, but maybe preferred to leave that person out. And obviously there's a time and a place to be sad alone. And then there's a time and a place to be sad with other people. Um, But we definitely, we need, we need our community. We need to reach out to those who are in need as well. Mm-hmm. And to be willing to walk with others through their suffering, even when it's not our own time. It can be easy to say, oh, I'll pray for you. But then to actually really walk with someone is um, it it takes a lot of energy and it really takes um, effort. And you're absolutely right, Margaret, that that's what we're called to. And going back to what you said, Father Michael, that's often what the Lord uses in our lives. When we are wrapped up in ourselves, he calls us out of ourself with suffering, whether it's our own suffering or someone else's. So just being aware of that and willing to answer the call. Um, Do you have any final thoughts or suggestions, Father Michael? 
No, I, I think this is, there's nobody here listening to this podcast uh, have not suffered or will not suffer. And so this is probably one of the most important uh, lessons that God can teach us on what to do with our suffering. Uh, at the same time, I pray for miracles every day. I pray for people to be healed. I pray people to be raised up, people to be forgiven, people to be, to have this victory in Christ Jesus. There is nothing in this that would counter that. That's so beautiful about Christianity. You walk with that expectation that Christ can change any life, any time. There's nothing impossible. There's no sin that can't be forgiven. There's no healing that can't happen. And I operate on that. And at the same time, when it doesn't, then I operate on the God's in control and I'm not. There's a, f- a famous quote of a very close friend of mine. He's a priest. He says, Jesus is always Jesus. And it's Father Arthur. <laughs> That's what I'll leave with, Father Arthur's quote. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, speaking of we are Catholic and we live in hope and always pray for miracles, we are going to have a little bit of a different take on our mini miracles this week. So normally the mini miracles are when we show, we tell about a small miracle um, or God moment that we've experienced recently in our lives. But this week, since we're doing a little bit different episode theme this, um, this time around, we want to do a mini unanswered miracle per se, <laughs> where we talk about a prayer that wasn't answered in the way that we were specifically asking for. So I will start. Um, There are a couple of stories that came to mind for me relating to this podcast. So um, I just want to share a couple of quote unquote disappointments that have happened. Um, We've heard about so many incredible miracle stories since we've all started recording together. And there have been multiple moments where we, like I personally have come across some amazing stories have heard people in person or met people and have heard a story that I'm like, wow, this would be so amazing to record. For example, there was this one man that I heard speak at church and he talked about being Hindu and going down to visit his his friend in Mexico. And he took him to this Catholic tourist spot is what he called it, which happened to be the shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe. (laughs) And he walks in and (laughs) starts telling his friend who took him there all this stuff about Our Lady of Guadalupe and Juan Diego. And his friend is like, have you been here before? He's like, no, she's telling me about it. He was, he had never heard of Our Lady of Guadalupe before. Zero idea about like no idea about the Catholic faith at all. And um, basically Mary's speaking to him and he's hearing all this stuff. And she keeps saying, come home to me, come home to me. So as he's leaving, the shrine, he said in the Hindu faith, they back out of the temple. They never turn away from the god or goddess. And, you know, he's from a religion with multiple gods and goddesses. So he backed out of the church of the shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe and was like, okay, I'll come back and visit you because that's what he thought she was saying. But anyway, he's speaking at a Catholic church because sharing how this whole is instigated a years long conversion story. Um, and he's he became Catholic on the feast of our Sorry, he became Catholic and got married to his wife, who is also who has also just become Catholic on the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe at the shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe. So 
anyway, it was just such an incredible story that he was telling just to promote RCIA. And I was, I really, really wanted him to share on this podcast and just said a prayer to Our Lady of Guadalupe. If you want this story to be shared, please help him to say yes. He said yes. I got contact info and have not been able to get a hold of since for months and months. So there have been multiple times that something like that has happened. And it's just been a prayer that I was like, Lord, I don't understand why you're not answering this in the way that I wanted to. But I also just have to trust for some reason this story isn't meant to be shared on the podcast. So I wanted to share a podcast related disappointment or unanswered (laughs) prayer. So what about you, Margaret? Mine is not that profound. Well, I actually have two and I have kind of a silly one and kind of a more serious one. So (laughs) when I was little, we went on a lot of vacations and we did a lot of hiking. I did not like hiking at all. (laughs) And I let my family know about that. So I used to pray that I'd wake up and there'd be a wheelchair next to my bed so I wouldn't have to walk anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I am not kidding you. This is not a joke. And I would always, I remember like laying there like, is there one there? Darn it. Ultimately, God, thank you for not answering that prayer. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then a more serious one. I was just kind of thinking about my adult life and the trajectory hasn't ever, hasn't really been what I expected. And like when I was younger, you know, I always thought I'd get married, have kids, all this stuff. And thinking about the really one of the most profound times that I said yes to the Lord was a result of, of a breakup and, you know, to be harsh, you know, a rejection from this guy. And it was months of me grieving it, honestly, because I thought he was going to be it. And I, I received an invitation, you know, I, I, that whole time I was praying for him to take me back or whatever. And I received an invitation at some point during that, you know, between, I don't know, January and June to help out at, and be a counselor at this camp. And I may have shared this before, but I didn't really feel like I had any of the skills to be a camp counselor, but I found myself saying yes. And it took me years to realize that first of all, I don't know that I would have if I had been dating this guy. And also it was the Holy spirit moving in me. And it literally, I think it was one of the turning points in my life to a life of ministry, which is what I do now. And I'm finding so much joy and fulfillment in it. So clearly God knew better And in the moment, you know, I didn't know what I was doing or what direction I was going. I felt like I was just floundering during those months. And then there was a shift. And, you know, throughout the years, God has just constantly done things like that. It's like, okay, I lost this job. Okay, God, what are you asking of me? This guy broke up with me. Okay, God, what are you asking of me? Have I handled it well? No. But it's neat to see how the journey, where the journey has taken me. So... There you go. All right, Paige. All right. Um, So I have always had growing up and like into young adulthood, this huge desire to travel Um, just to leave America and like just go travel all of Europe and anywhere and everywhere. Um, And I would always look at like my dad and I would always get Nat Geo 
magazines and like I'm a photographer. So I don't like, we just dream about me because my dad loves to travel too. Um, dream about me going and becoming a nat national geographic photographer and just being able to travel for my job. And, um, and so, yeah, when, as I continued to grow up, like opportunities just never happened for me to be able to travel because all of a sudden, you know, my summers I was working at camp and then all of a sudden I was living in Alaska and it's not super easy to just kind of travel away from Alaska. Um, and so I always wondered, you know, like I kind of always felt like I had this little bit of a regret almost of, whoa, maybe I wasted my, you know, early twenties, not traveling enough and not going over to Europe. And, um, I was always kind of sad that that never happened. And I had always prayed for that to happen. And so last year, Christian and I got to go to Rome and that was my first time ever crossing the sea, um, the Atlantic. And, um, I was so excited and I was just, you know, dreaming everything that was going to happen. And, I know I've probably mentioned this, um, but I did not like Italy, um, <laughs> especially I did not no like one Rome. Ever. <laughs> yeah, um, and I was just for everything, right? Yeah, <laughs> like a few days into the trip, I was like, I am ready to be back in America. Like <laughs> Italians do not eat breakfast the way I eat breakfast; they just have a cappuccino or espresso and a pastry. And Christian and I are all about those hearty breakfasts. And just the culture is just so different. They don't speak the same language as me. The currency is different. It was just all so foreign. <laughs> and and so, you know, we got back to America and I was just like, I have never been so happy to be in America. And then we got back to Alaska and I was just reflecting on, wow, you know, it's it's honestly just so weird that I did not like being over in Europe. And I was kind of starting to realize, I think that was an answered prayer that God never took me across the sea to go, you know, waste my 20s away traveling Europe because he knew I wouldn't like it. <laughs> and <laughs> instead, he brought me to Alaska, which is basically like Europe, but with American perks and they speak English. <laughs> it's our own foreign country. That's yeah. for sure. Really, Alaska is like, so many people who like so many of my friends who have studied abroad in Austria have said Alaska reminds me so much of Austria. And so I think that that was, you know, this prayer that I just felt so deeply that I wanted to happen that God was like, no, you sweet daughter, you will not like this. And instead I'm going to spare you from it. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was kind of cool to realize that this past year. So yeah, that's mine. <laughs> awesome. Father. Uh, as many of you know, I, I uh, when I was a 10 years a priest, I prayed to the Lord. I said, uh, take my priesthood, do whatever you want. It's a very dangerous prayer because he responds. That's repair, that prayer he did respond. And so he sent me to Siberia for 26 years. And then circumstances was my documentation, which was not my public, uh, the government's fault. And they exiled me. And I remember coming out devastated. My heart was there in Russia and I was near despair. And I came back to the United States and um, said to the archbishop at that time, I can't do anything. I can't talk with people. I, I need to just pray. 
So I went into a small t- uh, uh, parish called Talkina and for four months. And every morning I'd take the Blessed Sacrament out and I would say, Jesus, what are you doing? What do you want? Silence. Get on my uh, fat tire bike and take a ride, come back. What do you want in the afternoon? Four months, not a answer, not a prayer answer for four months. I'm faithful to you. I've done what you asked me to. The call is clear and still in my heart. The last day, the only thing I received, the only healing message I had was, trust me. That's been my prayer for the last four and a half years. I don't know what God is doing with this call in Russia, but I do know he's teaching me to trust him. That is so beautiful. And that also made me realize I shared something that isn't personal really to me at all. So I will quick add, um, (laughs) just to make it a little more real, that um, for Kyle and I together, a big unanswered prayer for us, you know, in our in our view is that we really wanted a big family and just the way things have unfolded with miscarriages and very difficult pregnancies and trouble with fertility, just accepting. We're, we're so grateful for the two children that we have, but it's still just an ongoing prayer of Lord. We want this family that we have this vision for, but it's our desire hasn't been answered in the way that we would have envisioned already. And again, it all has just come down to trust. So that is a huge one in our lives. That's just still an open-ended, just, okay, I guess we don't know an answer to this and it all comes down to trust. So with that being said, um, Father Michael, would you please close us in prayer? Sure. I just want to include everybody that is suffering now and feels like God has abandoned them and feels like their prayer cannot be answered and whatever area of their life that they they might feel even despairing that God doesn't love them and it's not the truth. Let me just pray in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, through you, thank you for answering prayers that are answered and and we don't realize at times how you'll answer them. Thank you for answering prayers in ways better than we could even answer. Thank you for the mystery of your love, your mercy, your compassion, the, the mystery of the cross, Please fill our hearts with trust and faith and strength. We need you so badly. We need to hold fast to you, even in a time of darkness, confusion, when it feels like no prayers are being answered. We love you, Jesus, and we are so grateful for the victory that you share with each heart and each person, the death on the cross where sin and Satan were defeated for you are our life, you are our teacher, and we pray over and over just with the simple words that the Father's will be done. We have we that over, over, that's all we want. Help us to have that courage to pray those prayers. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Venerable Fulton Sheen, pray for us. Pray for us. Awesome. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Moving Mountains podcast. If you have a miracle story to tell, please call our hotline at 412-449-9609. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Moving Mountains Podcast AK. We encourage you to subscribe, leave us a rating and review, 
and share our podcast with others. We'll see you next time.